everyone. You're watching We Heart Therapy, the special series EFT Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Annabelle Bugatti, licensed marriage and family therapist and certified EFT supervisor and therapist here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I am so excited today because we have a special guest with us. It is Dr. Claire Rosamond. She is a licensed clinical psychologist. She's also an EFT trainer in Australia. She's co-director of the Australia Center for EFT, along with our other trainer, Jenny Fitzgerald. And she does really amazing work for the field. And she teaches and trains in emotionally focused therapy. And we are so excited to welcome her onto our show today. And we are going to be talking about kind of a hot topic, which is pornography, sex addiction. What does this have to do with couples? Why is this a problem? And how do we work with this as EFT therapists and an EFT and understand it through an attachment lens? So thank you, Dr. Roseman, for um, being on the show. And can I just call you Claire? Of course, of course. It's lovely to be here. It's very exciting. Thank you so, so much. And we're just so thankful to have you. And if you can kind of start us off, maybe we can talk about why pornography is such a, a controversial topic and how do we kind of think about pornography use through, how do we understand it through an attachment lens? Mm. Well, I think I think part of the reason it's such a controversial topic is that it touches into real sensitivities for people. And I think one of the things I find most helpful is to remind myself that I'm not here to pathologize porn itself or any sexual behavior or lifestyle that's not the same as mine, um, but more to try and align with my clients where they are and be really respectful of their lifestyles or their sexual interests. And it's not up to me to decide what's sex positive or sex negative for them. Um, so I really, I wanted to learn more about this area because I wanted to know is porn harmful? Is porn fine? Uh, when does it become problematic and why? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I think um, it helped me to just get across what all the research is saying about pornography and to look at it through that attachment lens of how would I work with relationships where one or more members of the partnership have a struggle with pornography. Uh, yeah. And so... I think uh, it's so let me if I can catch what you're saying and, and I want really want you to share what you've learned from the research so what I think I hear you saying is you know when it comes to couples and relationships that porn becomes such a hot topic because it touches on sensitivities and I know there are a lot of disagreements between partners between maybe genders um, about what is okay and what's not okay and how often and you know um, it, it can create a lot of tender feelings within a relationship when um, one person feels like their partner turns to porn mm. instead of turning to them, like they're sharing something with someone else that they're not sharing with them. And so yeah. it really has become, and, and society by and large really does normalize or, you know, kind of say it's okay. And, and as therapists, you know, I love how you say it's not up to us to really decide whether or not a couple should or shouldn't be watching porn, yeah. but we do want to understand the health of it, right? Like what's yes. happening? How is it 
working in the relationship? Is it working in the relationship? Yes. Is it not working, right? Is it creating problems? And so we want to understand what are the potential problems that it could be causing? What does the research say about these problems? So what have you found in terms of this? Well, it certainly seems that porn, it doesn't become a problem for all people. In fact, for some people, um, it can be a huge help like if it's made by and for excluded people for instance uh, then it can be enormously helpful for them to see people like them through an erotic lens and it can be really affirming but sometimes the messages in in porn are really negative and can set up like sexual scripts of expectations that can be harmful so it doesn't become a problem for everyone, but we just need to understand a bit more about why it does become a problem for some and when. Uh, and so in terms of, of the relationship, I think it can pose some threats depending on uh, the way the couple have talked about it. So we need to know how all parties in the relationship feel about porn and what agreements they might have between them about the presence of porn in their life. Like some couples never talk about it at all and assume that it's not being looked at or if it is, they don't want to know where others will be really open about the use of porn and they might use it together or separately and that might feel totally okay. They might have some agreements around what type of porn is okay and what isn't. They might have some boundaries, but it does feel like those discussions, they are really helpful for us in figuring out how big a threat porn is posing and why. So I feel like that's a big part of it, but then also looking at, at um, are there discrepancies in their beliefs about porn? Do they have yeah. shared ideas? Because that's sort of the foundation of whether this feels threatening to their bond or not, I think. Yeah. But really when couples aren't able to come together and connect over their own ideas, their own definition within the context of the relationship what's okay what's not okay yeah. how often um it's when couples aren't able to come together around that it's when it really does cause a lot of problems yes and does what does research say about pornography use what have you found well it um it seems to be a problem in two ways one is if there's a discrepancy in beliefs about pornography then uh, there's going to be bigger problems. So typically the research has been conducted on heterosexual monogamous couples and there's definitely a gendered pattern where three to four times more men than women are using pornography. And uh, so when it shows up in the relationship, it can be due to a discrepancy in beliefs about pornography. And when that happens, then often the female partners will report low sexual satisfaction low uh, female sexual desire, communication mm -hmm. problems. Uh, mm -hmm. And then even in couples where they have shared beliefs about porn, they mm -hmm. still can have problems, as you were saying before, where one partner is turning away from the other and putting more resources and time into pornography, then they can feel more disconnected. Um, another interesting part of that is males can... Mm -hmm. uh, Frequency of use is correlated with low female desire and male sexual So wait, 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 wait. I want to I make sure that I'm getting this because this is really good stuff. Okay, so what I think I hear you saying, and you tell me. So if females use porn, 
they have low sexual desire outside so of the males. So female oh, if, partners. If the males. Yeah. If the males, okay, because you'd said something like a couple seconds ago about low female, you know, uh, the female partner reporting low desire. This is yeah. if the male partner is using. So yes. the female partner knows that their partner is using it. It it somehow impacts the female partner, even if she's not using it. Um, yeah. Her her libido, her sexual energy yeah. in the relationship. Yeah, so, yeah. Would it? What do we know what accounts for that? Well, I can only sort of extrapolate from my own clinical experience. And I think uh, what I've heard people say is that it's the negative comparison. Um, that can be a big part of it. Do they feel also, like their partner is comparing them to the porn girls? Or do they yeah. kind of get in their own head? Like there's no, like my body doesn't look like a porn actress. So I, I feel shame because I'm never going to yes. look like her and yes. I don't want you to see me. Yeah, I reckon both. I, I would say both. Uh, and it's also, I mean, uh, interestingly, some researchers looked at sexual scripts and that how uh, by watching. What do we mean when we say sexual script? Because the if yeah. I know a lot of clients are, have found these videos and they may not know what we mean by sexual script. Can you can yeah. you give me a definition? So it's like a pattern of behavior, like a blueprint of what to do in what situation. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a behavior template to follow. Yeah, like a yeah. template. And yeah. so if porn acts as your behavioral template, to follow, yeah, particularly yeah. mainstream porn, I think I want to make the distinction there that I think a lot of the, the sorts of images and video in mainstream porn is very different from what you might find in ethical porn or more niche porn. Um, but if someone's looking at mainstream porn and that acts as a sexual script, well, that's not necessarily wonderful. That's sort of the opposite. Right, because mainstream, well, and so well, I want you to maybe define what what's different about mainstream porn versus not mainstream porn. But what I think you're also saying is, you know, when your template is around porn, porn doesn't necessarily represent what actual normal sex looks like. Yes. And so people may have these ideas based on porn that are maybe abnormal or kind of extreme. And so yes. they may have expectations that this is what porn is supposed to look like. And when the average person doesn't meet up with that, then, yeah sex in-person sex can feel very unsatisfying yeah 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 so what sure. constitutes mainstream porn versus non-mainstream porn or well i think one of the biggest differences is that mainstream porn is free and so to make it a money-making venture it has to have advertising and so they want to grab the viewer quickly and hold them there so that they can bounce ads up and so typically mainstream porn has very little interpersonal connection, is straight into the sex act, is not about connection and storytelling. And also as people click and search and click and search to try and find a, a clip, especially if they have some sort of worn out um, pleasure response, then people get caught in a pattern where they're searching and clicking, trying to get that dopamine drip with the click and then that coupled with a worn out pleasure response means that people are not going to stay put in one clip for very long. So that, that means that the clips get more and more extreme to grab people's attention. So, is, okay. Well, so let's talk about this because this is really good. So this kind of sounds 
like addiction, right? So what I hear you, so what I think people need to know is that watching porn like actually stimulates pleasure response chemicals in your brain, right? So, so that happens. And it's like, you know, when you, you start viewing the porn online and the clicks and the way the, even just the technology is set up, the way it tries to reach towards you neurologically and psychologically can kind of start to create this addiction cycle where, you know, being there for a short amount of time no longer does it. Whereas maybe in the beginning, you know, it worked kind of like, you know, if I, if we were to substitute it with like tequila, right. It'd be like one shot no longer does it. Now I need four to get the same, you know, release the same feeling. Right. And so it increases, you know, you have to have more and more and more. And in the case of porn, it's more extreme stimulus to create the same effect. So it it kind of like might have a progression. It certainly can for some. And, um, sort of feel like to take it in order the way my brain is working we need to understand the reason and the function of the use of pornography for that particular person Uh, because for some people uh, it might have an addictive component where as you're saying they have increased craving despite the negative consequences and despite attempts to stop this and they have increased craving they find themselves going back and then searching and searching and getting the worn out pleasure response so they never quite get the satiation so that could be a component but also it could be uh, related to impulse control like it feels good so I do it and I don't think it through very much and I do it and that's that I don't even try to stop it it just feels good so I just let myself get it yeah but it also could have a compulsive element to it as well where it takes away a bad feeling and that so wait so so compulsive thing right is it could take away a bad feeling but what if like so I have a lot of clients who don't even recognize having a feeling but the way they describe their porn use does sound very compulsive because I'll ask you know what are you feeling when you turn to the porn or what does it do for you and they're like I don't know nothing Mm. like I I don't it's just a habit a lot of them describe it as a habit and they don't a lot of them will say well you know I don't eat maybe I don't get an erection anymore I don't get aroused by it Um, I I don't even like self-stimulate you know masturbate during it and so it's like they're looking at it but they're it's not doing anything for them, but yet they keep looking at it and they don't even know why they're looking at it. They just know they keep Mm -hmm. looking at it and they're saying like, this is just a habit. So would that also kind of fall along the lines of compulsion? Yeah. Like if we, if we put that in the EFT frame and we work backwards, we know that's then the action tendency. So that's a coping strategy. And we want to work backwards from that to fill in the rest of the pieces of the puzzle here around mm-hmm. what is that helping someone cope with? And maybe they don't have mm-hmm. a lot of awareness. Like I, I'm sort of looking for three things separate from addiction. Those three things are, is this just impulsivity? Is there a bit of a track record of just impulsively doing things without thinking through? Um, is this a compulsive element where there is acknowledged negative emotion like anxiety or stress and that this helps them mitigate that negative feeling 
Or is this a pattern of avoidant coping? And we certainly know that looking at porn is related to an avoidant attachment style. And I think it sounds to me like what you're describing there is maybe more of an avoidant coping where someone's not overly aware of what's happening inside because they've learned to turn away and kind of squish down their emotional places and not visit them. And they have to use various strategies to help them do that. So I don't know, how does that sit with you? And porn could be a way, like, maybe even if they're bored, instead of turning to their partner to say, hey, like, let's go have fun together. It's like, I'm just going to look at porn. Yes, it's certainly safer. You know, it's controllable for someone with maybe a more avoidant attachment style who's learned to be self-reliant rather than to turn to another to co-regulate. It kind of makes sense that with porn, it's there, it's it's totally self-managed and there isn't the risk of interpersonal closeness. I saw one man who preferred to chat to people online and look at porn sites because he felt really anxious about getting to know people and really felt like once they got to know him, they wouldn't like him. And so online, there was that natural distance there that really helped him. He still wanted the connection, but in a very safe, disconnected way. Right. Like, like very low risk where he, yes. he wouldn't feel rejected. So, yes. so yeah. how do you help people if they don't have a lot of awareness and they just kind of report, I do this just out of a habit. Right. And, and maybe, Maybe at one time they were more aware of doing it for specific reasons, but it, it became more compulsive and they don't even, those reasons may not even exist, but they just keep going to it because they've not learned anything else to turn to when they're bored or whatever. Yes. How do you help them become aware of what's underneath the habit? Well, I think this is where EFT really shines because we want to lean in with curiosity and explore what happens if we work backwards from the action tendency. Uh, this is where I love emotion assembly in working backwards. We know that's that's the coping strategy, the action tendency. So if we work backwards from that of let's slow that down and let's sit with what's the trigger? What's the trigger that happens before that has you turning towards the computer or the device when are those times that you're most likely to do that and what's the context around that um i find a lot of time they don't know like a lot of it they're like they may be um, people who work on the computer for a living they work from home and it's like it's just there it's easy and and again they maybe they're not aware of the trigger so how do you maybe, maybe. work backwards into the trigger when they don't even have awareness around the trigger well i sort of feel like there are there are two ways like one is is there any dissonance because uh, when people say i don't know they may be not really leaning in with curiosity there in terms of why do i do this what is this what is this giving me or what is this taking like, away hesitant um, to look inside and really figure out the answer yeah because we only do that when we're motivated to do that. And so it may be that, that there aren't any negative consequences and that this isn't a big deal and that we've got a therapy agenda issue here where maybe it's more of a bother to the partner uh, than it is to the person looking at the porn. So I sort of feel like, where's the, yeah, like where's the curiosity? Um, so is there a dissonance about this? Like, Because uh, that is another thing that I found interesting in the research is that it even separate from frequency of use, uh, feeling bad about using it 
seemed to predict whether people identified as having a problem with it. So their beliefs about porn from like a values perspective had more impact on the actual frequency in terms of themselves feeling bad about it. But that said, the flip side is that you might have someone who doesn't have that dissonance, they're comfortable with porn and they don't feel bad that they're doing it, but they're doing it a lot and it's having negative consequences. So f- for either groups of people, the negative consequences are there. Mm-hmm. And so that might be one area that you could lean into in trying to understand the mechanism and uh, leaning into the dilemma between I find myself reaching for this, but it makes me feel bad or but it has bad consequences in my life. Mm-hmm. And seeing- I think that's kind of what's really hard about pornography too when it comes to is it addiction or not? Because- for a lot of people and a lot of couples that I've worked with, it feels like there really aren't negative consequences. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's some dissonance about the negative consequences in the relationship. Like, like the porn user sees the problem as their partner having a problem with them using porn, not them yeah. actually using porn. And so, yeah. you know, there's there's that. And so they don't, you know, it's not like tequila when you, you drink yourself too much, then you can't drive and you, you may slur your words, you know, it doesn't have that kind of same impact. So it can be a little more sneaky there in the way yeah. that it impacts you. And, and I know that there are is research to show how it impacts the brain and actually shrinks the brain, but it's not something that's going to have obvious, like automatic no. uh, symptoms. So you know, it's, it's hard for them. There's not really constant, unless they're like spending more and more money on like different types of porn or chat rooms or stuff and getting themselves into financial ruin, but with so much free porn, it, you know, yeah. so that's really hard when there's not a lot of consequences. Well, I think, um, I think that's where, again, EFT helps us to lean in with curiosity and and see whether we can explore some of the nooks and crannies there. Because uh, if there are some conflicts within the person using porn around their beliefs and values, that can be a little way in. Uh, if there's secrecy... But would you ask, would you ask them, like, yeah. are, you, are you, like are you cool with viewing porn or does any part of you like say, I know I shouldn't be looking at this, but I can't help myself or something. Yes. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) How do you feel about your use of pornography? How does this sit with you inside? How do you feel after? How do you feel before? What sort of role is it playing for you? How is it helping you? How is it hindering you? Um, I, I think also looking at the consequences in a person's life, like how much time might you spend, how much money might you spend, uh, how does it impact their mood, but then also looking at how it impacts their relationship. Because if, if this is a couple sitting on our couch, then clearly there is an impact for them at the level of their bond. And they may differ in their interpretation of what is threatening their bond. But just knowing that there's, there is tension and disconnection between the two of them, that's an in as well. And so how do, how do we really broach this? I mean, as a therapist, when couples come in and, and one person's complaining of porn use, um, 
you know, how do you really help to illuminate the picture? So I know in EFT, you know, as you mentioned, we have a very non-pathologizing stance. You know, it's emotionally focused therapy. If you're new to, if, if you've not watched any of our previous videos, um, and it's all about attachment and bonding, right? And emotion regulation and behavior. Yeah. Um, and, and we're really about trying to create connection. And so EFT has a method, it has a plan, it's mapped out, it's got all the research that it's, it's the gold standard now. We know it works, we know how it works, we know why it works. So folding porn into, as a, as a therapist, folding porn use into, and I know a lot of therapist issues can come up here if they have their own sensibilities about porn, you know, it can be a struggle. How do I reflect what's happening within the couple without imposing my own views about porn into it, yeah. without going into, you shouldn't be watching porn versus like, yes. is this working for you guys, right? Yeah. How does this impact your relationship? And if one person doesn't see it's a problem and the other person does, how do you sort of approach that in EFT sessions? Well, I think that is so, so important. You're saying so many important things there about how do we manage our own self of the therapist's reactions to talking about these sorts of sensitive issues um, and being able to be aware of our own bias that could be there and really consciously trying to put that aside and really connecting with the relationship in front of us, with the partnership in front of us. And I feel like the first question I might ask is, uh, how is porn feeling threatening in your bond in, in these moments when there's tension? I, I want to really understand how it shows up between them and what happens between them when it does show up. Uh, I want to just be really curious, like how do they both feel about porn? Do they have any agreements in place? Is this something that they talk about comfortably? Uh, how has this come to become a point of tension in their relationship? Mm. Often there may have been no discussion and then suddenly it was discovered or there might have been discussion and agreement that has then been broken. But we, I think that their discussions around how porn is going to be in their life or not, that really determines then the level of distress. So we want to know, is it showing up because there's a discrepancy in beliefs about pornography that one thinks it's okay and one really doesn't? Or is it that they have shared beliefs but frequency of use of one partner has now become a problem? Like that can be a good starting point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we would really be assessing for, you know, I love how you say coming in with this lens of curiosity, how does this show up? How does this play out between you guys? Yeah. And, you know, what is, do we have any mutual understandings? Does it feel like those mutual understandings are being violated or crossed? Yeah. Um, are we not able to have mutual understandings? What happens when we try to talk about this? Um, yes. And how are both people, so maybe one of us is okay with the porn use and the other's not, but I would imagine both people are not okay with the distress in the relationship with the conflict that it can cause. So yeah. how do they feel about the conflict? Yeah, yeah, it's a really nice way of zooming out because what mm -hmm. we're dealing with here in that scenario is a difference and differences feel threatening where there's insecurity. 
I love Sue's quote about where there's security, a difference is just a difference, but where there's insecurity, every difference is a potential abyss. Yeah. And like that really helps me. Yeah. 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 That helps me to look at how is porn becoming a threat? Yeah. How is it showing up and how is it creating distance? How is it triggering for each partner in different ways? How are they getting caught? I feel like um, I've, I've seen it show up in four different presentations. Like one is the discrepancy in beliefs, as you're saying here, like one partner might be fine with it and the other might not be. Um, I've seen it show up when there's agreement, but frequencies become an issue and it's then impacted their sexual connection. So, I mean, we know that in hetero couples, it's more likely males are using more porn than females. And the research seems to show that females are impacted negatively. They feel lower self-esteem, lower sexual desire. Uh, and males can be impacted to do with frequency then it leads to impaired sexual function so they may have similar ideas about pornography but it's now showing up and creating problems they may have different ideas and that alone is causing problems so they're the first two and then the third one that I've seen a little it's more rare but it's where the content of the porn itself is traumatizing for one member so I had like a if couple watching of, some kind of like rape porn or something. Oh yeah, that would be yes. I had a couple where uh, they were a heterosexual couple who'd been married for forty years, and the male partner had been watching wrestling porn since his teens, and it was it was not that he, I mean he'd really explored. Uh, was he really gay and had he just sort of squished this part of him aside and he really felt like watching wrestling images was paired with his sexual response and that he was comfortable with his sexuality he'd explored whether he was gay but he really wanted to to make it work with his wife but the content of what he was looking at was really distressing to her and made her worry about his sexuality like is he not attracted to me as a woman so that was one where content really showed up. Um, one of my colleagues had an example where the partner watching porn, that was triggering because the female partner had a trauma history. And so the very fact that he was looking at, at porn itself was triggering of her trauma. It sort of turned the way she viewed him from her safe other to now a scary potential perpetrator. So sometimes the content alone can be really alarming and then i've seen the fourth type is where it actually feels like a betrayal it feels like uh, a total betrayal of an unspoken agreement like or a spoken like agreement. you're kind of cheating on me because you're looking at another woman's naked body or a naked man's yes. body and not not yeah. mine yeah that um, has much more of an attachment injury feel to it yeah yeah so it and really does depend on where they sit in terms of how we might lean in and work with them. In yeah. And you mentioned, you know, that men can have impaired sexual functioning. And I imagine some people might be asking, well, how does that show up? And one of the ways I see it, and I want, I want you to add, you know, where you see it is what happens is they view porn in a certain context, like internet and um, like their iPad, their device or whatever. And they kind of start, it's almost like classical conditioning, like conditioning the erotic charge to go with that specific stimulus. 
and it gets such, paired with such a strong response that they have a hard time um, really getting into and getting aroused by in-person sex, um, yeah. especially if the sex does not resemble what they see in the porn. It's yes. just really hard for them to get aroused. And so the erotic charge is not with the in-person sex, even though logically, I think most people will be like, well, wouldn't you prefer to have in-person sex? Wouldn't that be more exciting? Yeah. And theoretically, yes. But when you have that erotic charge that's been kind of beat into your brain, <laughs> you know, in this yeah. certain way, then it's yeah. your brain just pairs like this response that your brain grabs yeah. onto, even if the rest of your body wants to try to do something different yeah um, what else have you seen um I've definitely seen what you're describing here um and I've also I've also seen that uh the context is different so the context of looking at a screen being by yourself and masturbating in a certain style can be completely different from real world sexual encounter, even down to what they call an idiosyncratic masturbatory style, <laughs> which is just, you know, a type of sensational stimulation that does not resemble real life intercourse. And so that, that of course, changes the context, changes the stimulation entirely, but also um, part of that context is the other person. Like, using a screen there is no other person to have to account for there is no risk of rejection or mm -hmm. misinterpretation or hurt feelings where real person and there's no work you don't have to you don't have to work to get them aroused either exactly exactly so there's a lot of different things that make it much more safe and predictable in the context that then real world sex can feel the opposite i also um a client comes to mind where he he struggled with using online pornography and then in real life encounters with his partner, he felt like he was disappointing her. And she, she would protest not because he wasn't skilled, but because she could sense the distance. And so when she protested, he interpreted that, that he was letting her down and getting it wrong. And so that then impact, impacted his desire and arousal and made him avoid real life sex and turn to the screen more so it kind of gets caught in a pattern an interactional pattern there so this you know basically this can show up in a variety of ways and what i'm wondering is is if you're a client who's or potentially you know somebody who's watching this wondering you know how how much is this impacting me or maybe my partner's complained about it are there maybe some questions you might recommend that somebody self-reflect on to, you know, if they're interested in asking themselves that this is a problem, what, 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 what might they ask themselves if they're watching this? Uh, I think really, how is this playing out in my life? How do I feel about this? Uh, how, maybe what, how big of a presence does this have in my life? Like, yeah, how, yeah. how, how much time do I devote or how much energy do I devote to viewing this? Yeah. And, and also looking at what does it give me? Because I think when we can really acknowledge what are the positives that I derive from something, then it helps mm -hmm. us get closer to the needs. Uh, I had one man talk about how at the end of a really hard week, porn felt like treating himself. It felt like indulging himself and 
kind of unwinding. And so that was really key to us working with it because while he saw it like that, it had caused problems in his relationship and he had dissonance around feeling not good about it. And so when we can leverage the need against the costs, then it yeah. can create some movement there. Yeah. Maybe as you're saying that, I'm thinking of another question is, has your partner complained about the yeah. pornography use and are you willing to really examine yeah. um, what your partner is saying and really have a talk with yourself on the inside about um, could this really be a problem for yeah. my relationship? And, that can and be hard question. Feel? Yeah, sure is. And, and even um, maybe even a thinner slice is how do I feel about this when my partner raises it? Like when my partner is concerned about this, what is that like for me? How, what's the meaning I'm making around that? Because the partner's criticism of this or protest about the other's use of pornography, that's going to be a potent trigger. And so I'd be curious, what is it like when your partner objects? What happens inside for you? I want to know more about the dilemma, the struggle, like what makes them hold on to this? What, is, what does it mean to them? And what would it mean to lean in and listen to their partner's objection? Because for some people, it might not be about the porn. It might be about, uh, you know, personal feeling of autonomy and, and freedom. And that when my partner complains about pornography, I'm interpreting that as them controlling me and not allowing me to be myself and that feels really scary it might not be actually that the person really needs the porn and they're holding on to it because they're addicted it might be that they're really trying to say I need to have a voice and what I want matters here and if I give up something that matters to me even though it doesn't matter as much as you might fear then I lose something so it feels like we really, we want to explore what is this giving a person and what is this taking away? What's the meaning around it? What is it like when they see the impact on their relationship, when they see that it hurts their partner? How do they react? What would it cost them to make changes? What would that mean and for them? Do they find themselves kind of being willing to sacrifice a lot for the sake of holding on to their porn habit? That might be really telling also. What am I willing to give up to keep my porn? Is, has my porn become more important than my relationships? Yes. Yeah. Even if the relationships are healthy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We want to know all those, those uh, ins and outs of what does this mean? What would it mean to let go of it? What would it mean to hold on to it? And what is it helping me with? How is it hindering me? Yeah. They're all so important in, in really fleshing this out. Yeah. What do I get out of it? And if you're a partner watching this and you do have concerns, is there a way that you might recommend um, that they bring it up to their partner that they have concerns? Well, certainly openness, trust and honesty seems to reduce distress around porn, even when there are differences in beliefs about it. So maybe approaching it from that angle in saying, I know this is a difference and I'm not judging you and I'm also not judging me for being bothered, <laughs> uh, but we have a difference here and I'm worried that this is going to come between us. How can we talk about this in a way that isn't going to push us further apart? How can we make sure our connection 
stays prioritized here. I'm worried. Can you help me with that worry? Yeah. So I love the way that you really say this. And I hope that if you're watching this, you know, and you do have concerns that you feel comfortable bringing it up. Um, yeah. And hopefully your partner is open to hearing that you have concerns. And certainly yeah. therapy can be a great resource, especially emotionally focused therapy, because we really do have a way of getting to the heart of it without yeah. really judging, you know, because it's not, not our place to judge, right? We just are more concerned with what's working for you guys and what's not, you know, and yeah. what's creating connection, what's not creating connection. And That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, and porn can be positive. The, yeah. I mean, research shows if couples watch it together, there's less likely to be negative impacts. But we're not yeah. going to be prescribing that and we're not going to be prohibiting it. We're going to be looking right. at how is the health of your bond? How does this show up and threaten mm -hmm. the precious connection that you have? We want to be yeah. here to guard that and, and help strengthen the bond between you. And if you're a therapist and you're wanting to do more assessment, I mean, do you ever get a sense that maybe the porn user may feel uncomfortable disclosing or talking in great detail about their porn use yes. to the therapist? Yeah, definitely. So what, yeah. what could therapists kind of keep an eye out for or, or how could they ask about porn use in a way that might be seeming the least threatening? Well, I think it just needs to be a bit more normalized. Um, we actually do a screen in our questionnaires at the beginning for all, all relationships when they start in therapy with us, just looking at, are you concerned about your use of alcohol, your partner's use of alcohol, your use of substances, your partner's use of substance, your use of pornography, your partner's use of pornography. We just put it in uh, just a very light screening measure so that that way we know straight away whether someone's concerned about their own use of pornography or their partner's. Um, and so that really can help raise it then in the initial sessions of how, how are things between you? What are the concerns that you're having? Can you talk about those concerns? What happens when you do? Um, some, some couples can struggle with issues with pornography. Has that been an issue for the two of you? Like I just sort of put it out there very evenly at first and normalize that this can sometimes show up and then see their reactions. And, and then at the individual sessions, that's when I might explore that a little bit more and really validate that this can be a healthy, happy part of their sexual connection, or it can sometimes cause distress when there's differences between them. And how do they feel about the presence or absence of pornography in their life? Yeah. So these are a lot of really amazing questions. And um, you guys may have to pause and rewind and take some notes. <laughs> this is really good stuff and so Claire you're really amazing do you teach classes on this uh, I have in the past on a one-day workshop and then for therapists yes and then I've done shorter ones more specifically looking at the relationship and how we might work with a relationship using EFT where there's problematic pornography use so okay. yeah so if folks want to find you, you know, if they want to contact you and have you come do an EFT training around pornography um, or anything, I mean, where can people find you? Like, do you have any material out there? Have you written anything? 
Uh, they can find me on the ACEFT website, which is aceft.com.au. So that's the Australian Centre for EFT. Uh, or I have a, a tiny little YouTube channel with some short videos on there. Um, so they just look for my name on YouTube. Uh, that's Perfect. probably the best way is via the website, though. And they can email you on the website as well. Yes. Yeah. And maybe couples who are struggling with pornography in their relationship, they could email you and ask, hey, how do I broach the subject of getting therapy for this with my partner? And yeah. you, you, or if you're a therapist who'd like to get more trained, you, they can contact you through your website. Yes, sure. Perfect. And I will make sure that I put the link to the website and your YouTube channel in the description for this video. And, you know, so Claire, I just wanted to say thank you again so much for really being with us today, helping us with your wisdom around such an important topic. And, you know, I'd love to have you back, maybe even do a part two about this because it is such a, a good topic. And um, so thank you again so much for being here. Oh, thank and you for having me. It's been lovely. You're welcome. And I just want to say thank you to our viewers. You've been amazing. And thank you for the positive feedback. Um, you know, keep the ideas flowing. If there's a topic with NEFT you'd like to see me do, by all means, please contact me. And I'd be more than happy to do that. Make sure you also buy my book, Relentless Empathy in the Therapeutic Relationship, Connecting with Challenging and Resistant Clients, available on Amazon and my website, drbugatti.com. And make sure that you go visit Claire on her website and you look her up and see her work and watch her YouTube videos. And make sure that you hit subscribe to the We Heart Therapy channel because there are more videos on the way. Don't forget to buy my book, Using Relentless Empathy in the Therapeutic Relationship, Connecting with Challenging and Resistant Clients for Helping Professionals available on Amazon or on my website, www.drbugatti.com.